Welcome to the OA Light a Candle meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Leslie. Hi, I'm Leslie, compulsive overeater. I'm so, so grateful to be here in this full room tonight. Jen, thank you for asking me to speak. Um, I'm going to pretend I'm just really excited. (laughs) And that's what my heart racing is all about. Um, But I really am. I'm excited to be here and share my recovery um, with all of you. And welcome to all the newcomers who are here. There is so much hope in these rooms. And I hope you'll stay. And I hope that if you don't hear something that you connect to tonight, that you just go to another meeting and keep your ears open. I'm so grateful for this program. I'm so grateful for the recovery that I've gotten in the two years that I've been in OA. Um, And I'm so grateful to all the people in these rooms that have just held me through the past couple of years. Um, I came in in January of 2015, and my abstinence began on January 21st, so I just celebrated two years of abstinence from uh, binging and restricting. Thank you. Um, And it's, you know, it's all God. It's all God, and that's what I learned here. And um, I'm really grateful for the life that led me to these rooms, um, just for, you know, like for my beginning, um, because they got me to this place where I get to walk the path of recovery for the rest of my life, God willing. Um, I love all the people in this room. So what it was like, um, I, I grew up in a home with a lot of ism. Um, it didn't really, it wasn't like a typical named ism, but there was just a lot of craziness, a lot of secrets, um, just a lot of not recovery, the opposite of recovery. And um, we, I grew up in Michigan in a town that, despite being in Michigan, was like, very metropolitan and so it was a lot of like focus on the outsides um you know what i have defines who i am and what i look like also defines who i am and i i was talking to my mom like last week and she reminded me that like my dad's big thing and of course like my parents are divorced so my mom loves to remind me of you know all of the things that are wrong with my dad Um, and that hasn't changed as a result of recovery Um, But she reminded me that my dad's big thing was normal. Like, I just, you know, I want my kids to be normal. I want everyone to look normal. I want everyone to feel normal. Um, So that was, like, healthy, intelligent, achieving, and thin. And um, there was a lot of talk about that in our household. And um, so I learned that, you know. I'm just such a hyper-alert, sensitive, sensitive little creature and like 
that, you know, I was just born that way, you know, and so I was always just tracking, like, what was going on, what was being talked about in our household, and um, that was how I kept myself safe in a household where, you know, my parents hated each other, and, um, you know, there was just a lot of untreated behavior. Um, so my, um, my journey with the food really started um, when my older sister, uh, her weight was a problem. Um, and I'm, I'm the middle, I'm one of three, and my older sister is like the woman, you know, the girl that I look up to, and she has been my whole life, we're only two years apart. And so she had a problem with food, and she was overweight, and it was talked about, like, loudly in my house, and I heard it. And, um, you know, we started eating together, and we would, like, make these weird concoctions of things and just, you know, go to the food together. And um, it really didn't affect how I looked on the outside until um, probably high school. Um, but I started dieting. Um, well before that because my sister went to a nutritionist. I can't remember how young we were, um, but I wanted to go with her. You know, it was like my sister got to shave her legs. I got to shave my legs. My sister got to get her ears pierced. I got to, too. Like, I didn't have to wait the two years. So when she got to go to the nutritionist, um, I was like, I want to do that, too. And so there were there were foods in my household that were, like, okay for me and my sister and then there were like junk shelves that were actually labeled because there's a lot of OCD in my household and those were like for my brother for our brother who like couldn't gain weight and so there was just a lot of good and bad a lot of morality around the food and a lot of morality around being thin and so I learned really early on um, that the outsides are what matters and um, just to fix it you know and I I really internalized this belief that I was a problem to be fixed and, you know, something outside of me was going to be the thing that fixed me. Um, and so what that ended up looking like was the pendulum of dieting beginning to swing at a really way too young and totally inappropriate age. Um, and, you know, I really do believe I see the food thing as a pendulum. Like, I really... For me, I'm a, I'm a really visual learner, and so when you, when you hold it off to one side with the dieting, like, eventually it will swing back the other way in, in, in an equal um, shape. And so, um, so I started dieting, and, of course, that led to sort of that back and forth. And it really never stopped, you know. I, um, I was a really high-achieving, popular like happy kid on the outside and um, I just struggled with myself on the inside like I remember thinking like I am an alien <laughs> there's something different about me um, and I had this higher power who I would talk to at night in my bed and it was really just like I'm scared you know I'm scared I'm different I know it everybody else is going to get that thing and I'm not um, and I really, like, believe that to, in my soul. Um, and so I, I went off to college. I chose a college that was far away from my family, and I think that was for a reason. Everyone in my town went to, you know, University of Michigan, and I went to Atlanta. Um, and I, it was the first time I was away from my parents, and um, it, it felt awesome in a lot of ways, but my um, 
my freshman year and my roommate for all four years of college um, was a hardcore anorexic. And so freshman year, I learned to cope with um, just life um, by not really eating, smoking a lot of cigarettes, and um, being the designated driver because I wasn't really into drinking. Um, and and so, you know, everyone gains the freshman 15, and I, and I lost weight, you know. And, um, and But I was having a great time. I really was. And... Um, but I remember, like, the anxiety that I felt that I treated with either not eating or smoking cigarettes, and, um, you know, it it never stays that way for very long. You know, I can, I can whittle myself down, but it's really not easy to sustain only eating, like, one meal a day. Um, so, you know, I, I should mention that I did the same commercial weight loss program for I think six rounds, um, and I always thought, you know, because in that first week I'd always lose like seven pounds, you know, and that was all I needed was like to get started and lose the seven pounds, and then, um, and then everything would be okay because I'd just sort of be in the cycle again, um, and that was my best thinking. Like my best thinking got me to do the same thing six times, and we all know that that's insanity. Um, and it never worked. And, you know, what I did to my body was I sort of just threw myself completely out of whack. And, um, you know, I I was my highest weight my senior year in high school. And then I think I sort of managed it with smoking cigarettes. But when I quit smoking about five years ago, I, you know, my body changed. And, um I I have to say, like, I never really share about that, but I'm so grateful um, that I have a healthy body today. Like, I have healthy lungs, and, um, you know, I don't get to turn to that, um, but I get to be here as a result of the the discomfort that I felt in that new body. Um, So I hit my bottom... Um, in December of 2014, I had gone, I, I had, I had to go out for New Year's Eve and I didn't have a dress and I bought this black dress, um, that was, you know, not comfortable and I didn't feel great in it. So I wore a big coat over it and I went to this cocktail party and a family friend of mine pulled me aside and he was like, I can tell you're really unhappy. And he also said, which was so inappropriate, but he also said, and I can tell you've gained weight. And, and I didn't hear anything else he said after that because I was like, I thought I was like really fooling people. I thought that I knew that I was gaining weight and that my body was unacceptable, but I thought I was like totally alone and that nobody really saw it. Um, and what I was doing was ordering food to my apartment, charging my phone in the other room because it, you know, can only be charged over there away from me so nobody can get in touch with me. Um, And it was a really lonely, sad, unhappy, like, just isolated, miserable place. And all I could think about, like, my repeating thoughts were, I'm getting fat, I'm getting fat, I'm getting fat. And it was just like, you know, and the best thing I could do was to treat that with more food. 
and eating to the point of just like hurting my body, you know, having to prop my body up at night to sleep because I didn't want to feel the wrath of like the heartburn that I was creating. Um, so I got called out on New Year's Eve and I think it was January, so it was January 2nd and I had this girlfriend named Jessie um, who I'd always related to. We'd always talked about our food stuff and um, we just, one time, like two years before that, she had shown me the newcomer packet for OA and I read the checklist and I was like, yeah, I'm all of those things except for like eating out of the trash and um, eating foods while they were frozen. Like I had a microwave. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> I came to a meeting. I went to like a really big meeting in, um, in West Hollywood and I looked around and I was like, these are not my people. Like I had been to a lot of spiritual places and seen a lot of like the beautiful spiritual people in OA and I or not in OA and I was like oh this this must not be it because there were people who were like all different shapes and sizes and whatever and it didn't matter it was just that I wasn't ready um so on January 2nd I was chatting with Jesse I was in the gym in my apartment building and we hadn't seen each other in a while and she was like we should get together and I'm like what are you doing now and so we met for coffee um and we went to Erwan, and we were sitting outside, and I was just looking at her, and I was like, what's going on with you? Like, she was talking differently. She had all this hope, and, and, I, and she was, like, not the most hopeful person. Like, she was definitely, like, tending on the side of, of negative, and I was like, what are you doing? And she was like, you know, I, I started going to OA, you know, that thing that I told you about. Um, and I got a sponsor, and I started working the steps. And I was like, take me to a meeting. Um, and she was like, well, actually, it was a Friday, but it, because it was New Year's, you know, like that week, we had, I, I didn't have work. And so we went to a midday Friday meeting like two hours later. And I've never been back to that meeting because um, it's not on my side of town. But I heard something and um, we were reading on the fourth step and it was talking about perfectionism and how um, you know if we try to do this perfectly like we'll, we'll never start and and I really connected to that and I was like yes oh my gosh there have been so many times where I've gotten in my own way because of my perfectionism and so I, I just all I needed to hear was that and I went home and I ate a whole pizza and, and um, but I was, like, eating it different. Like, I was, like, I know I'm going to be okay because I'm going to go to another meeting. And I texted Jesse and I was, like, when's the next one? And she was, like, we go on Thursday. Like, now I will never wait five days or six days before in between meetings unless, like, something terrible has happened. But um, I was, like, I'm going to be okay. I just have to make it to Thursday. And... Um, you know, eventually I started coming to meetings by myself, coming to meetings that had, like, weird letters next to them and I didn't have to understand them because you told me I didn't have to. Um, and I just started coming. And from there, like, God took control. Um, 
I moved uh, twice in the first three months of my abstinence, first in with my mom and then, by the grace of God, out of my mom's home. (laughs) But those two moves actually got me to the west side. I was moving into an apartment in West Hollywood, and God intervened, and I was like, I will never, this thing with this landlord will never work out. And I wound up moving to Brentwood, and I wound up starting to come to meetings on the west side, and these meetings have changed my life. And it is like, it is so glaringly God that that happened, because I would have never moved over here. Um, And I got a place in Santa Monica, and I also changed jobs in the first six months, and I also started a beautiful new relationship in the first six months, and I would not recommend that to anybody, but it has <laughs> it has given me a lot of material to just work my program around. And you know, I I will say, like, I met my boyfriend three months into my abstinence um, in these rooms, and I definitely was my highest weight um, and in a body that I didn't feel comfortable in. And I got to just be loved in that place, which really helped me to see that, like, none of that matters. Um, This very long-held belief of mine that the outsides are it, like, you know, there's just glaring evidence in the other direction. Um, And I can say that, too, about the love that I feel from the people in these rooms. Like, I am so accepted and so loved and so carried by my fellows by the women who've sponsored me. Um, I just, I'm so, I'm the luckiest person that I get to be here um, because I have these relationships and these connections with people that remind me that, like, I don't have to be perfect, not even close. And, you know, all of the ugliness or all of the things that I think are so ugly and so weak about me are the things that bring me the closest to the people that I, you know, who, who carried this message, you know, and, and the people who I look up to and who I admire and who live in the sunlight of the spirit. Like, I get to be loved by those people by just being totally imperfect and totally messy and totally myself. Um, so I started just coming to meetings. Um, I got a sponsor right away. I met my sponsor in this room. Um, and she was taking a candle, and she talked about the God-sized hole, and I was like, that is my person, Um, because I had been on a spiritual path outside of the room for so long, and, like, I had been seeking this God, this perfect thing, like, on my meditation pillow. I even did a 10-day silent meditation retreat, Um, and I, but I really was seeking that, that, spiritual life to help heal my stuff with food and it just never intersected like I could meditate for 10 hours and still want to just eat and um, it wasn't until I got here that those two things came together um, and that working the steps and being in this on this spiritual path and just using the tools that were given in this room started to help the food obsession to lift and that is a miracle that I can't explain, um, and I can't, because I don't understand how it works, like there's nothing I can do to mess it up, other than to think that I got this thing and stop coming um, to meetings and stop being of service, and 
um, you know, I'm still so early in this journey. Like, it is two years is just the beginning. Um, I would be lying if I said that I am, like, perfectly 100% happy with how my body looks every day, um, that I'm perfectly 100% happy with what my food looks like every day. Um, but I am abstinent um, for the most part because it brings me sanity. I eat three meals a day and I don't eat anything in between and I and I show I can show up for my life. Um, and so the perfection and the like there's never enough. Like there's never enough um, for me. There's never enough food, there's never enough, you know, my body's never perfect enough. Um, there's never enough love, there's never enough, there's just never enough. It is like this, just this empty emptiness that comes from being a compulsive overeater and having this disease. And so that has to come from God and um, living a spiritual life. And um, when all else fails, being of service to other people and um, just getting out of myself. Um, I, I actually took five minutes to meditate before I came here because I was so nervous to, to speak. And I was like, okay, God, if there's anything you want me to say, just let me know. And the only words I heard were, you are enough. And I think that's the message that I am very, very, very slowly learning here, is that it's not the hitting the goal weight or having the clean food. I hate that word. Um, <laughs> I get, I get to say that at the podium. <laughs> um, it's, uh, you know, there's a very wise person in this room who, who has shared before that um, happiness doesn't come from getting what I want. It comes from wanting what I have. And that is the spiritual axiom that I want to live my life by and that I want to grow to become. And I'm not there yet, like, at all. Um, but I am I'm working this thing. Um, so I um, I came in with just the gift of desperation. Like I crawled into these rooms on my knees. I had had enough, and I was out of old ideas. And I was out of diet because the diet stopped working. That was like the craziest thing is that I couldn't even do it anymore. Like I ran out of willpower. I totally ran out of steam, and that is such a gift. Like I couldn't do it. I think I tried. The last thing that I tried um, was I, I, I got this nutritionist who like totally shamed me while I was on the sale in front of him. Like he, I was paying him, and he... <laughs> Right? Like, I was paying this person, and I got on the scale, and he was like, you must have had a nice holiday. And and so, I mean, if God did not want me to get here, I don't know what. You know, like, I, so, you know, I I just knew that, like, the, I was done. Like, I, I didn't have any options. So, um, and I really, really do believe that, like, there is no other solution for me. Uh, this is it, and this the fact that I know that and I don't have to go out and try other things is a gift from God. The desperation, the willingness that comes from that desperation to show up and work my program and do everything that my sponsors ask me to do is the biggest gift. And, you know, I, 
if you're not there yet, just keep coming and just keep asking God, you know, make me desperate enough, make me willing enough. Um, because that that's how I, I, I've begun to get better is just, you know, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about how I work my program. Um, I work the steps uh, through the big book and through the 12 and 12, um, and I love this literature. It is just God embodied in, in text. It's, it's incredible. Um, I go to meetings. I still, you know, I don't have this thing. You know, I'm, I am a compulsive overeater. I go to, you know, three to five, sometimes seven meetings a week. Um, I sponsor, I have a sponsor, and I take calls, I call newcomers, I I seek my fellows, like hardcore, you know, because I cannot do this alone, um, and my fellows just carry me, and I love the people in these rooms, like my best friends are in these rooms, and I've met such wonderful people who have just walked shoulder to shoulder with me, um, and I'm just, like, in love with this program. It is such a miracle. Um, so, you know, I set up chairs. I, I take commitments. Um, and I just, I just live and breathe this program. And I, you know, I don't, I don't want to go. I don't want to know what other way, you know. And, and because I do that, I get to show up for a really big life, a really tough career that is, so hard. Um, most days I'm scared when I go into work and I just do what you you guys have told me to do. Like I get on my knees, I pray, I bring God, I ask God to speak through me. Pretty much almost every time I speak to my boss, I talk to God before and I'm like, hey, you give me the words. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, thank you. I'm just trying my best to build that conscious contact and to stay close to God. Um, and some days I feel like I am with God and, you know, I am flying high. And some days I'm like, where is it? You know, it is so imperfect. But I've gotten to be here just long enough to see the ebbs and flows and to know that it, it's all perfection. Like, it is you know, the days when I don't feel connected, I get to be helped by others. And the days when I do, I get to reach out and help other people. And we just sort of all stay in this, like, beautiful dance. Um, and it's it's the coolest thing. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what else to say other than, you know, it's just there's nothing else out there like this. Um, we get to have community. And in L.A., it's like we have so – I mean – for the podcast people, I'm looking out at a room of 60, I'm terrible at this, but like so many people, um, and it probably doesn't look like the room that you think it looks like, because I, I remember listening to these podcasts early on before I had gotten to this meeting, and the room looked totally different when I got here. Um, but it, it, yeah, it's such an incredible program. I just wanted to read one little thing that I read. I I, fin I just finished my steps, and um, I was reading in in the twelve and twelve on step twelve, um, and I think this really like summed it up for me. From the isolation of food obsession, we have emerged into a new world, walking hand in hand with our friends and our higher power. 
we are now exploring this world using the great spiritual principles embodied in the 12 steps as the map to guide our way. We gratefully follow in the footsteps of many others who have walked this way before us, and we're gratified to be making footprints of our own for others to follow. And if you're new and you didn't understand half of the things that I said, all you have to remember is just keep coming back, and um, you will find hope and help and so much love and encouragement, and you will get better. You know, I am not some tower of perfection, but I have had so much relief here from this disease, and I know that you will too, and all you have to do is show up. So thank you, and I'll take questions. Okay, the question is, what is my favorite tool? Um, I love them all. I really do. I don't think that there's, like, using one tool in isolation, it'll get you there, but I, I really do love them all. Um, but I think meetings, you know, um, in the meeting, I get to be of service. I get to feel the connection. I get to hear from the literature. Like, I get to connect to you. I get to, you know, see face-to-face. -face. I get to be accountable. Um, and I get to hear how this program is working in other people, and that is the biggest gift. I mean, I have seen people change so much, you know. Like, I have dysmorphia. I have no idea what I look like. I have no idea, like, how this program is working in me. Um, I really can't see Like, I'll see a picture of myself, and I'll be like, I look terrible. And then I'll look at the same picture two years later, and I'm like, wow, I look good. <laughs> so, um, you know, getting to see this program work in other people, and I've watched people completely transform, and I also get to, like, accept their new self, which is really helpful, you know, like, because I hold your past against you outside of the rooms, but here I really get to see, like, you get to get a new character, and I get to, like, know you, you know, and that, so meetings are... Meetings are amazing. Yes. So the question is, can I speak about my experience in step nine and if there were any that were really transformative and, and big for me? Um, so the ninth step for the newcomer is where we go out and we clean up um, the wreckage of our past. And um, I had an okay time. You know, it was not, like, it was not the easiest. But I will say the one that has kept on – so I had a really funky one with my mom, um, and I think I'll be making amends to my mom for a very long time in different varieties as I grow in my recovery. Um, I, I did an amends with a friend who um, – called me like a week later and she was like, how do you do that amends thing? Can you explain that to me? And <laughs> which to me was just like, that is so cute and such a gift that like it, it moved something in her, you know? And, um, but the one that was the most transformative was my amends with my dad. Um, I went to Arizona to visit him over the holidays. So I sort of had in my mind, like, I want to do this one face to face. It's important. It's my dad. Um, and I kept asking God to, to show me when. 
and he asked me, it was so weird, we were cooking dinner, and he asked me to come, and, and my boyfriend was with me, so it wasn't like I had tons of alone one-on-one time with him, but we were cooking dinner, and he was like, can you come out to the grill with me and check on the chicken? And I was like, is this it, God? <laughs> and so I went outside, and we were standing there, and it was like the smoke was coming up, and the sun was setting, and, um, you know, it was chilly out, and, and I was like, I don't know. I don't know if this is it. Like, raw chicken? Like, really? <laughs> and so then we went back inside, and then he was like, let's check it again. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so um, and so I was out there with him, and I, and I, you know, did my amends with him. And, you know, I, I had to apologize for, like, judging him and for interfering in places where I didn't belong. Because the thing is, I... I I thought I was responsible for raising both of my parents. Um, And so I was in a lot of places where I didn't need to be as their kid. Um, And he, in the moment, you know, he said, you know, thank you, you don't need to apologize, da 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 da. Um, There are programs for him too. Um, And, but then I got this text from him like a few days after I got home and it was just like, I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. It meant the world to me that you were here. And just this past week, I had this crazy experience where my dad called me. He was like, I'm just checking on you. And then like, he got honest with me about something that he has been living in a lie about for the past five years. And and I was like, did that just happen? Like, I actually was listening to him talk and and um, and thinking, like, this is important. Like, that was the thought that was going through my head because I think the thing that we don't realize is how much showing up for our own recovery impacts the people around us. And I have seen that, you know. I... I used to call my mom every single day, and I would report on everything, and I would seek her advice on everything. And she, you know, for for a lot of reasons, is not the right person for that. Um, and when I got a sponsor and I got fellows, I stopped doing that. And, you know, it's been hard for her, but, I, and I can't take credit for this, but my mom has gotten a job and you know started working and like has this new purpose and and she doesn't call me about the same thing and she you know now she complains about her boss instead of my dad who she's been divorced from for so many years you know and it's amazing to see how when we're willing the people around us change so have time for one more i have time for a quick one how's your relationship with your sister now how is my relationship with my sister now? We have an incredible, awesome relationship. My sister lost weight in, I don't know, when she was 15, and she never gained it back. Like, she did that commercial weight loss program that I stayed in the spin of for umpteen years. She did it once, lost all the weight, and she's fine. Like, she, you know, and she, she's amazing. Like, she's I still look up to her, and, you know, we work in the same field, and I get to, like, have this awesome mentor, you know, and and yet I think she would say that, that I'm hers, you know, and even though she's not in a program, like, she loves calling me and getting the love, you know, I don't, 
I don't give advice out as readily these days as a result of the program. Like, I, I love to, um, but I, I really just love her where she's at and um, as a result of, you know, my life in recovery, and I think she, she loves to seek that, and I, you know, I just, I adore my sister, so, yeah.